morning. Welcome. Nice to see you all this morning. As Pete mentioned, my name's Don Weber. I'm a member of the volunteer preaching team here at River Heights Vineyard. Um, my wife Cindy and I have been walking with Jesus together for about 25 years now and coming to River Heights for just about a little over 20 years. Um, I grew up going to church. And as a kid in White Bear Lake, we went to St. Pius Catholic Church till I was about 13 years old. And then we started going to an Assemblies of God church there in White Bear. And we stayed there until around about I graduated from high school or shortly before I graduated from high school. And then we began to hop from church to church throughout the Twin Cities. My, my poor dad, um, he's very gifted. He loved Jesus. He... Uh, did a lot of good work for the church. Unfortunately, he didn't always play very well with others. And so we'd go to a church, he'd pick a fight, and then we'd storm out the door. Um, that's kind of the way it went for, the, for my high school years. I learned a lot of good things in my early church years. I had good friends. I didn't really experience some of the difficult things that many people unfortunately do at church, that some of you may have experienced. That really wasn't my story. Um, but what I didn't learn, and I wish that I had, was the value of community, how important the church, the people of God, are to each other, how important we are, how important it is that we have each other. I've always been sort of a social loner. You might be asking yourself, you know, what is a social loner? Well, I'm glad you ask. It's, uh, I came up with that expression a few days ago to describe myself. It's sort of a hybrid between an extrovert, that's the social, and an introvert, that's the loner. And uh, I like hanging out with people, but for me it has a shelf life. It takes something out of me, and so every once in a while i got to back away and, and unwind a little bit. Um, the loner in me takes over, especially when I'm under stress or I'm facing a real problem in my life. That's when I hunker in the bunker, push everybody away, and then rely on myself to take care of my problems. Any social loners in the crowd today? Yeah, lots of heads nodding, lots of hands. I think I'm going to coin that phrase. I'll make a million dollars. I'll be an influencer. It comes in handy being a social loner when it's healthy. But when it's not, what it does is separate me from people, especially from the people in this community, from all of you, right when I need you most. God has been doing a lot in my life to help me chart a new course when it comes to my problems, but I still have a long way to go. We're continuing our series today, taking our messages from our Bible reading plan, which comes from something that's known as a lectionary. Now, even though I went to church all my life, I had no idea what a lectionary was. And so I had to look it up. I looked it up, and a lectionary is simply a book containing specific scriptures to be read on particular days of the year. So we're in the Lent season right now, so we are reading from the Lent lectionary. Now, when we first started this, I wasn't all that excited about it, even though I'd grown up in the church. The Christian calendar wasn't something I was ever really that familiar with or into at all, and it's still not something that comes naturally to me. Now, many of you, knew, many of you probably know Scott Oakman, right? Uh, Scott's a, volunteer, a member of the volunteer preaching team here, and I understand 
uh, Scott had a birthday last week. He turned 70, right, Anita? The laughs are because Scott actually turned 60, but that's my little opportunity to get a jab at Scott. So Scott is a walking, talking Christian calendar. You may not know that about him, but he is. He and I have this annual little kerfuffle we go through, and it happens around the season of Advent. Now, Advent, like Lent, is similar. It's similar to Lent. It's the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And every December, Scott and I have our what's the point of Advent discussion. Now, that's what I name it. That's what I call it. But Scott would probably call it the educating the caveman conversation. <laughs> now, I apologize to those of you for whom Advent has meaning. I understand that. I respect that. I really do. I'm just not able to feel that myself. Besides, it gives me an, an opportunity to argue with Oakman, which I think is just a treasure. So when we started the lectionary at the end of last year, I wasn't planning to do it. Since for about the last 10 or 15 years, I've had a practice of getting up every morning before work and spending time in prayer and in the Bible. So I wanted to just continue to do what I had been doing. But as God so often does, he had something else in mind. He rather firmly said to me, I'm calling your community to do it. I've called you to be a member of this community, so I want you to participate in it too. Now, it sounds like an order, right, the way I say it, but it was actually an invitation. It was God inviting me, like he does all of us, to deepen our relationship with each other and to more fully experience his kingdom with all its love and mercy, power and peace, with all its joy and its sorrow, where it is most deeply, most powerfully, and most meaningfully experienced right here in community, here when we are gathered together in unity. So I said yes to the lectionary. Once again, God was right. Who knew? How about that? So reading through the Bible plan has been a real blessing to me, and there have been some really good messages that have come out of it. Last week, Justin Law spoke, and he said something that I think is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. He said, you can't opt out of the love of God. You may not want it. You may try to walk away from it, but you can't stop it. No matter what you do, you cannot stop God from loving you. I think I'm going to remember that for a long, long time, maybe forever. Justin's message was from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, and I discovered that one of the reasons the lectionary came to be in the first place was to broaden the church's experience with the Bible, to encourage us to read parts of the Bible we may not often read or hear messages from, particularly the Old Testament, which can often take a backseat to the New Testament. Today, I'm going to continue that series with a message from the Old Testament book of Psalms, which is an ancient Jewish book of prayers, poems, and songs. And I'll be reading from Psalm 63. To begin with, I'm going to read the verses 1 through 8, but I'm not going to put, them, put the words on the screen like we typically do. It's because I want you to get the feeling of the psalm. And to do that, I'm going to read it with the emotion that I believe the writer, who was King David, would have been feeling when he wrote this particular poem. Now, one of the challenges of reading written word is that it is very difficult 
to get the feeling and understand exactly what the author was trying to communicate emotionally, which is important when we try to read written word. Take, for example, this sign. Okay, so if I were to read that like this, stop ahead. You're going to think, well, I'm in my car, I've got to slow down, pump the brakes, and come to a complete stop, right? However, if I were to read it like this, stop ahead, conjures a different feeling, doesn't it? You're going to think something completely different. Emotion is hard to express when you read words. That's what I'm going to try to do right now. So if you could, if you're comfortable, close your eyes, just relax. Try to get the feeling of what David was feeling when he wrote this psalm. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Now, when David wrote this psalm, he was in real trouble, but it wasn't the first time in his life. See, David lived in Israel at a time when it was a loose confederation of 12 clans, each trying to maintain their own little mini-kingdoms, but finding out that alone they were too weak and too small to face the challenges of their times. So God chose a man named Saul to become their first king. And Saul began the very difficult process of uniting them into a single nation with a single purpose. He tried for 40 years, but it didn't go very well because of Saul's on-again and off-again relationship with both God and God's people. Saul became suspicious, unstable, and unpredictable, even paranoid. So God called David when he was just a young boy become the next king because the Bible tells us David had a heart like God's. He loved what God loved. He valued what God valued. And for the most part, he did everything God asked him to do. And for a while, everything in David's life went according to plan. He became a brave warrior fighting alongside God's people, helping Israel to beat back the nations around them, determined to destroy and absorb them. He was so successful that he became Saul's right-hand man and even became his son-in-law when David married Saul's daughter. He was loved by Saul and all the people, and it looked like everything was going his way. All the promises God had made to him were coming true. And then just like that, it all went away. It all fell apart for David. Saul became jealous of David and afraid of him, so he tried over and over to kill him. And finally, Saul chased him out of Israel with nothing but the clothes on his back. One minute, he's an honored member of the king's household, and the next minute, he's alone in the desert, 
separated from his family, his people, his purpose, and the future that looked so bright just a short while ago is gone. And it's not the last time in David's life that this would happen to him. After many long and difficult years, David would become king, and he would see the promise God made to him fulfilled. But then it would all come crashing down again several years later when his son, his own son, led a rebellion against him and drove David once more into the desert. And there he was, betrayed by his own son and the people he'd served for so long in a barren wilderness running for his life. That's when he wrote Psalm 63. And if we really want to understand how he felt at that moment, we have to read verse 1 again and dig a little deeper into it. And here it is. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Now David probably prayed these words, spoke them before he wrote them down, maybe shouted them. Different people have interpreted these verses different ways. But to me, it sounds that, like David is having a real crisis of faith. He cries out, my God, you are my God. And it sounds to me like he's saying, God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? Have you forgotten I'm on your team? I'm one of the good guys? And then he goes on to describe how he is longing for God so deeply that it penetrates to his soul. He feels it, physically feels it in his body. He searches but can't find anything to satisfy that longing. Why not? Why does David describe it like this? Why does he feel this way? Because David can't find God. He can't see him. He can't feel him. To David, God simply isn't there anymore. He's disappeared. He doesn't seem to be responding to David's cries for help. Ever felt that way? Ever felt that way? You cry and cry to God and there's nothing? I know I have. I've felt that way many times in my life. I know people throughout this auditorium and watching at home today, you've felt that way before. It's one of the reasons that we have people up front after service every Sunday available to pray for you. Because we know that life is hard and that most of us, probably all of us, are going to experience dark and difficult times, struggling with a whole variety of problems, addictions, divorce, sickness, loss of those we love through death, and through broken relationships. Today, maybe like David, you feel betrayed. Like people you love, maybe even the people of God have let you down, have stabbed you in the back. That's why we pray together, because even when God feels distant, we still believe that he is there and that he cares. Please, come forward after our service if you would like somebody to pray for you, for anything at all. Each one of the people that will be up front this morning will be happy to pray with you. I plan on getting prayer myself after the service like I did the first service because I am in the middle of a struggle right now very similar 
to what David is describing in Psalm 63. Now, to explain my struggle, I have to go back a few years and describe to you what God has been doing in my life for quite some time. Many of you probably know Gary Lansdowne. He and his wife, Annetta, are missionaries through the organization Youth with a Mission and have been for the past 30 years. Together, they have traveled all over the world, serving here in the U.S., in Egypt, Thailand, Russia, Latvia, Myanmar, and probably a dozen other places I don't even know about. And over the years, Gary and I have become very good friends. Now, if you know Gary, Gary can be pretty blunt at times. Gary will say things to me like, how can you drink a $7 cup of coffee when you know there are children starving in Burma right now? Yeah, Gary's subtle that way. <laughs> but I'm grateful for him and grateful for his friendship because he has pushed me and challenged me, even angered me but he's opened my eyes to a world I was largely ignoring. Plus, it's hard to argue with a guy who hitchhiked all the way across Thailand to get to the coast so he could serve people who were made homeless during the tsunami. A guy who, whenever and wherever he can, goes out of his way, uses all of his resources to serve anybody, regardless of their need, regardless of their religion, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of anything. And it's because of Gary that several years ago I began to feel that my faith was too focused on me and on my needs. And I felt like God was calling me to be more outwardly focused, to trust God to meet my needs while I did everything I could to serve others and to meet their needs. But I saw from Gary and Annetta's example that I wasn't ready for that. I didn't feel the way that Gary and Annetta did. And so several years ago, I began to pray a prayer. And I prayed it over and over and over through the years, and it goes like this. God, I want to feel what you feel. I want to see what you see, hear what you hear. I want my heart to break from what breaks your heart. And I want to love like you love. Ever heard the expression, be careful what you wish for, you just might get it? Yep. Well, God has been slowly answering that prayer. And I got to tell you that sometimes it really, really hurts. And three weeks ago, when Russia invaded Ukraine, that was more than I could take. My heart is so broken right now for both the Ukrainian and the Russian people, for the awful suffering they are all going through, and for the horrific things that people in this world are able to do to other people. And as terrible as the suffering is in Ukraine, it's a drop in the bucket, isn't it? Right now as we're sitting here, the military in Myanmar is strafing the villages of unarmed Karen and Kachin people, killing and displacing thousands. Equally horrific things are happening all over the world. And here at home, we have our own struggles with racism, poverty, teen suicide, and on and on it goes. It's been a very, very difficult time. I'm finding myself questioning God's goodness and asking David like God, like, and asking like David, God, where are you? 
Why don't you do something? But Psalm 63 offers us hope because David knows where to go when he is struggling with questions like this. And we see it here in verse 2 when David says this. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Officially, the room you're in right now, we call this our auditorium. But throughout history, do you know what this room is most commonly called? The sanctuary. This is the sanctuary, the place where God's people come to worship, to pray, to sing, to listen, to eat, to share, to serve, to laugh, to cry, and to help a growing number of people love God, love each other, and change this world. David knew that if he was going to make it through his struggle, he had to get back to the sanctuary. He had to reconnect with the family of God, with the community of believers. Three weeks ago today, my wife Cindy was on vacation in Florida with her sisters, so I was home alone, and I came to church by myself. It was right after the invasion of Ukraine began. I don't remember the song we were singing in worship, but it was about the love of God, and I couldn't sing it. Didn't even know if I believed it. Wasn't sure I could believe it again. I decided I was going to leave. I was going to walk out the door, and to be honest, I didn't know if I would come back. And in that moment, God spoke to me. And he said, if you leave, you're going to suffer all alone. You're going to go through this struggle all alone. And he just stopped me in my tracks right there. And it reminded me of another psalm where David wrote, it is better to be in your sanctuary one day than to be anywhere else for a thousand days. And so I stayed because I know I'm going to need all of you in my struggle. Do you know that in your struggle today? That you're going to need these folks. We're going to need each other. We are not going to make it alone, and we were never meant to. I even went up to pray for people after the service, though I told God before I went up, this is pointless because I got no faith. Now, he didn't say anything. I don't know if he was listening or not, but I went. And after the service, Pete, who gave the message, stopped by and asked me for prayer. And I said to him, Pete and I have been friends for a long time, so I was rather blunt with him. I said, man, you came to the wrong place because I got no faith at all. And I briefly explained to him what was going on. Well, Pete asked me to pray for him anyway. He told me his prayer request, and I prayed for him, and then he pray prayed for me. And we were both really blessed by that short time together. And when he was done, I could tell that something had changed in me. I wasn't questioning God's love so much anymore, and I felt a lot of the struggle lift off my shoulders. Now, it's not gone. It hasn't all been wiped away. It's still there but the burden's been lightened. And that's textbook community, isn't it? Pete and I, together, each serving and being served. That's what it's all about. It's what a lot of people around us 
are doing here today. It's what many of us have done countless times over the years. And through it, we've experienced here in community what David describes in Psalm 63. He says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. David sees God's power and glory. He sees God's unfailing love in and with God's people. And in, one of, and in the midst of one of the worst, toughest trials of his entire life, it brings forth prayer and praise to God. And David gets through that struggle and gets back to the sanctuary and back to the people of God and will experience the unfailing love of God in community for the rest of his days. And that's what we are each being invited to today. A deeper and richer relationship with God and with each other here in community. Now, these last two years have done a lot to separate us and make it harder to experience community together. Not everyone would be safe or comfortable coming back to church yet, just yet, but if you can, we'd like to invite you back. And those are, who are here, we'd like to invite you to keep coming, to keep coming back. You're here for a purpose. God has drawn you here today. It's no coincidence. This may be your first time here, and you may be thinking, I randomly picked this church. Not so. God specifically chose you. And you are welcome here, and we are glad to have you. Now, I know how easy it can be to stay at home. There you are in your PJs, cup of coffee in your hands, hair a mess. I'm not so concerned about that last one, but I get the first two. I get that. But we would love to have for you to join us. We need you, and folks, you need us too. Good, solid relationships are priceless, and genuine community is precious. And like most precious things, it's fragile and needs to be nurtured, cared for, and protected. And that requires that people in community work hard, work together, and dedicate themselves to sticking it out through the good times and the bad times. For over 25 years and through three generations now, people from all walks of life and a whole variety of cultures and backgrounds have worked hard to build the community we have here through their commitment to the kingdom of God, to his purpose for them, and to each other. Now it's our turn. It's up to us. It's not going to be easy. We're going to screw it up. We're going to make mistakes from time to time. But God has promised that His Holy Spirit will be here with us, in us, working through us to unite us and make us a people, make us a community. And all that struggle and all that difficulty, it's going to hurt. Sometimes you're going to get hurt. And I want to apologize on behalf of this community if we've hurt you in the past. And for the times we will hurt you in the future, we're flawed, we're human. But we've got the Holy Spirit with us. And he's going to make us the body of Jesus Christ. And he's going to unite us. He's going to heal those hurts. 
And he's going to move us forward to fulfill the purpose for which we've all been called here today. I'm going to invite the band back up. And as I do, will you stand with me? And if you're on the prayer team today, would you start to make your way down front? We usually end our services as we will today with three tips, something to read, something to pray, and something to do that helps us put the Word of God into practice in our lives. And the tips will be on the screen behind me, and they're also in your program today. Tip number one, read Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8, the scripture I read today. And try to imagine what David is feeling at the time. Even put yourself in the story, if you like. And just kind of let the words and the message and the meaning wash over you. Tip number two, ask God if there is a next step for you in community today. Could be a step forward, deeper. If you haven't been, if you've never been to Holy Spirit night or haven't been there for a while, there's one coming up this coming Friday. I really, really want to invite you and encourage you to come. It's a great place to experience community and to experience God's Spirit. There's other ways to go deeper, like joining us in the lectionary. You can find a copy of the reading plan right outside the doors to the left on the wall, or it's in your program today, and we also have it available on our church app. Now, for those of you who may be new to the idea of community, are looking for a place to belong, we'd love to have you here. We'd love to have you here. That's something the people up front would be willing to pray with you for. You don't have to be a member of this community to get prayer here. We're glad to pray for anyone, for anything. Could be some of us, God says, take a step back. You need to relax, recoup, and repair a bit. That's okay, too. Or maybe it's just sit tight for now. Maybe he tells you you're doing great work. I'm proud of you. Keep it up. Maybe that's God's call to you today. Leads me to step number three. Whatever that step is, take it. Step out in faith. Move forward in community. Join with us as we serve God and serve each other together. We're going to finish our service today with the two most important things we do every Sunday. That is worship and prayer. And the band will dismiss us shortly. I'll invite you one more time. If if you have any prayer needs today, please come forward and have these folks pray for you. They would be happy to do it. I'm going to be right outside the double doors. Feel free to stop by and say hello. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great week.